This podcast is about anything and everything that gets us better at making things good and good at making things better. It's called extreme stewardship, because the first thing to say about getting better at making things good and good at making things better is that both we ourselves and whatever we're working on don't belong to us. We are stewards of what is God's, not owners of what is ours. And in a world that prioritizes getting as the ultimate good and self as the ultimate end, that's pretty extreme. This is episode four, where we get specific about what it means to make creation better. I really want this podcast to be useful, and I've constantly got in the back of my mind the many academic books on the theology of work. There's some good stuff out there, and I've certainly been influenced and helped by a lot of it, but the vast majority of it is long on theory, short on practice. Plenty of abstraction, not a lot of application. And since improving creation is still a bit abstract, this episode is going to get as granular as possible in talking about what that actually means in real time. I'd like to suggest five different ways God invites us into his work of improving creation. I don't pretend these are all encompassing, but they'll at least get the conversation started. So here are my five categories of creation improvement. We improve creation when we make it more productive, more orderly, more beautiful, more virtuous, and more fun. Productivity, order, beauty, virtue, and fun. Let's take these one at a time. First, productivity. In Genesis 1, God designs both vegetation and animals to be productive or reproductive, and he designs the space around them to enable that production to take place. In Genesis 2, God puts humanity in a garden. A garden that isn't productive isn't much of a garden. Likewise, a factory, a farm, a mine, a publishing house. Productivity isn't the only thing going on in these places, but it had better be one of the things going on. Second, order. In Genesis, Revelation, and countless points in between, God is in the business of moving things from chaos to order. The separation of the waters in Genesis 1, the intricate design of the tabernacle in Exodus 35-40, the instructions to the church in 1 Corinthians 12-14, God is a God of order, not of chaos. So when things go from chaos to order, they are moving in the direction that he intends for them to go. When I clean my room, when I organize my desk, when I create an org chart, when I map out a procedure, in all of these I am participating in God's good work of moving his creation away from chaos and into order. Third, beauty. Look around you. Standards of beauty vary person to person and culture to culture, but every person and every culture has those standards, and those standards invariably relate back in some way to God's own creative beauty. Not all of us consider the same natural phenomena as preeminently beautiful. Some of us name as beautiful a sunset, others a mountain, still others a, a single-cell organism underneath the microscope. But only in post-apocalyptic Brave New World-esque societies can we even imagine a world without beauty at all. And invariably, the authors of such literary imaginations invite us into those scenarios precisely to make the point that such a world is utterly inhuman. To value and create beauty is an irreducibly human thing to do. Fourth, virtue. I hesitated to include this as a separate category because in many instances, virtue encompasses the other categories just given. 
productivity and order and beauty can be instances of virtue. And yet we need to name in this conversation the fact that drawing near to God improves us as creatures and that improvement is irreducibly moral. And by moral, I don't mean does a better job of obeying the rules. I mean something much deeper and richer than that. I mean we are conformed to the righteousness and holiness and love of our God. We become more loving, more righteous as we draw close to him. And this more is an improvement that stands apart from becoming more productive or beautiful or orderly. And the best and oldest term that I have for this particular kind of creaturely improvement is virtue. Fifth, last but certainly not least, fun. Yes, fun. God designed creation for continual upgrades in enjoyability. For all my talk about work in this podcast, there's more to life than work. There's also rest. And if work is improving creation, rest is enjoying creation. Work is coming to creation and saying, you're not done yet. Rest is coming to creation and saying, you are enjoyable just the way you are. It's what God does at the end of the creation account. It's all very good, which means it's ready to do its job. So God sits back and enjoys the fruits of his labor. God actually wants us to enjoy his good creation. By the way, there's a whole episode coming on laziness, but I want you to hear right now that laziness and rest are not the same thing. One of the main differences between rest and laziness is that God designed work and rest to go in a certain order. First we work, then we rest. Someone has to do the work of making creation restful, making creation enjoyable, so that it actually can be enjoyed. First you build the playground, then you play in it. First you clear the table, then you get out the board games. One of my favorite ways to do this is to build snow structures for my kids. I have fond memories of being out in the backyard late at night, pushing snowballs or shoveling snow into piles, packing it down, shaping it, smoothing it out, so that in the morning my kids have tunnels and forts and slides to enjoy. Productivity, order, beauty, virtue, fun. I'm sure I've missed something, but this is at least a pretty good start. I'm also sure I can't do all of these things all the time, so I need some framework for figuring out what to do when. And I think, and again, this probably isn't all that could be said, but it's at least a good start, I think there are three factors we ought to consider. The first factor is my own or your own individual bent. I think God designed different people to be naturally interested in some of these categories more than others. I have yet to meet anyone who would claim to rank all five of these equally in terms of their natural interests. Some people are really into productivity, some are more into beauty. This is true even within the same vocation. One cabinet maker runs an assembly line and pumps out affordable cabinets. Another takes tremendous pride in making each cabinet unique and flawless and expensive. One child wants her room to be orderly and neat and everything in its place. Another prefers a floor covered with paper and paint and markers and all the rest. The very fact that I listed the categories in the order that I did probably tells you something about my own bent, even though I didn't consciously sequence them in terms of importance. So what is my own bent? How do I maximize that bent? How do I work alongside people with different bents? Of course, there's also a tension here between recognizing different strengths in different people and the fact that all five of these tasks are good and necessary. I, I don't get to say, well, I'm more of a productivity person than a fun person, so I'm not going to do anything that enables enjoyment. All five are the work that God has given us, 
even if each of us is uniquely designed by God to lean more heavily into certain elements of that work and not others. The second part of the framework for figuring out what work I ought to be doing has to do with the needs of the moment. I love to create fun by sculpting the snow in our backyard, but there are other people in my community whose primary task in relation to that snow is to get it off the roads so the rest of us can avoid killing ourselves or each other during our morning commute. You might prefer to be in the garden growing something or in the shop building something, but the needs of the moment sometimes demand that you shepherd your children toward virtue by helping them work through conflict with each other. The third part of the framework is the nature of the task itself. I don't care if my car manual is beautiful. I want it to be orderly so I can be productive. If I read a report for my boss, I don't get any points for that report being funny if it doesn't give her the information that she asked for. So I ought always be asking the question, what exactly is the purpose of this task, this project? What would make it good? What would enable it to do its job? I am suggesting that our God-given work of improving His creation involves making it more productive, orderly, beautiful, virtuous, and fun. And while I've surely missed something along the way, I'm also suggesting that this work is the human vocation, meaning if I'm engaged in some activity that doesn't accomplish any of these things, if I'm doing something that doesn't make creation more productive, orderly, beautiful, virtuous, or fun, well, maybe I shouldn't be doing it. Thanks for listening to the Extreme Stewardship Podcast. My name is Michael Kibbe, and I teach Bible and theology at Great Northern University in Spokane, Washington. My behind-the-scenes partner in this project is my brother, Ben Kibbe. Our editor-in-chief is Annalee Stockton. Art comes from Leah Leenhouts, and of course, music is provided by Dave Murray of Derridoon Guitars. If this series has been helpful or challenging to you, or if you've got a story about extreme stewardship that you'd be willing to share, shoot us an email, extremestewards at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. You are, of course, welcome to like and subscribe and tell your friends and all that. What we really care about is that you have gotten better at making things good and good at making things better. <laughs>